Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Heated Shenanigans Podcast. And man, do we have a big episode in store for you today. Not only are we joined by owner of OVW, former WWE and ECW superstar, Al Snow, we also got some stuff to discuss, some very exciting news. As announced earlier in the week, we will be at Top Rope Wrestling Con in Tampa, Florida on uh, September 16th and 17th. And we will be joined by our special vendor guest, Elijah Burke. Uh, very excited to be working with Elijah Burke. He does a lot of great charity work with uh, Love Dash Alive. Fantastic group. Make sure to check them out on their social media pages as well. Also, Mr. Jerry Pesk, his artwork. Uh, we're back working with Jerry Pesk again. Using code word shenanigans, you can save 15% off of your order by visiting Jerry's website. That is www.pescaffects.com. Again, if you're into metal artwork and it doesn't matter what you're into, horror, uh, anime, pop culture, Jerry's got it for you. And the best part is if Jerry doesn't have it, you can do a request order. We just ask you, please be patient because there are a lot of people ordering and he will get them as soon as he can. But with all that said and out of the way, ladies and gentlemen, like to welcome Al Snow to Heated Shenanigans Podcast. Al, welcome. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys giving me the time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, first things first, Al, uh, maybe some people know, uh, maybe some don't. You are the, the owner of OVW Wrestling. Uh, how long have you had that, and uh, how did you come to get to that? Well, I'm a co-owner. co-owner. Um, I have several partners. Um, that are, you know, we're uh, a group that own the uh, own OVW. Um, bought OVW from Danny Davis back in 2018, and um, you know, been uh, plugging away ever since. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask, and we'll get Steve, we'll get your question next for Al. With the roster that you have right now in OVW, I mean, you've got a lot of great talent there. And well, thank oh, you. no problem at all. But one one that I definitely wanted to discuss with you, uh, Hollywood Haley J, someone that just yeah. just oozes star power and potential. Uh, how did you discover Haley, and what has it been like working with her? Well, I uh, met Haley when we were during the COVID period. Um, we were uh, up against the wall as far as we producing TV. We had been doing. A lot of you know recap shows, different you know formats that we could come up with um, to keep the TV continuously running uh, during that period of time, um, and it was very much a challenge. Um, but uh, Louisville is directly across the river, the Ohio River, from Indiana, and um, we had um, an opportunity um, because Indiana had opened back up earlier. Uh, had fewer restrictions than Kentucky. There we go. Uh, there it worked. Okay. Guys, I don't, I'm not sure. It just oh. rose up and crashed the app. And then when I kept trying to rejoin, it, it started doing the same thing where the audio thing wasn't working and it would crash again. <laughs> so I'll give it another shot. So anyways, as I was saying, um, Indiana was uh, had fewer restrictions and um, able to go uh, thanks to the kindness of uh, Too Tough Tony. He uh, operates a place called The Arena over there in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Allowed us to go over and do our TV there in front of an audience. And uh, I met Haley there 
with her charisma and her personality. And, um, you know, I've been, um, you know, um, giving her opportunities and trying to teach her how to capitalize on what, you know, her assets are and to be a star. So, so when you're um, bringing people into OVW, what's like the one thing that you kind of want to say, like, focus in on when you're training them and telling them like what to do and everything? The three things that I look for are, first and foremost, um, are they, you know, aesthetically, cosmetically, do they, do they pass the eye test? Do they look like they actually compete in a competitive combat situation? Do they look like they whip somebody's ass? You know, um, you know, and can you market them as such? Yeah, are they from from a visual standpoint when they walk through the curtain? Can you believe in them? Because if you can't, if you can't believe in them, then then we're dead in the water. Simple as that. Um, two, um, I, what kind of an attitude do they have? Do they have a good attitude? Um, are they you know going to fit into this environment? Um, are they going to be professional? Uh, because if they're going to be a cancer in the locker room um, and destroy morale and, and motivation, then I don't need them. Uh, three, you know, are they coachable? Are they teachable? Are they directable? Um, are they pure? Are they professional and interested in doing business? Are they wanting to play wrestler and live a fantasy? Um, you know, if they're if they're interested in the latter, then I have no interest in them. Simple as that. If they're here to to you know imp- you know get a great a five star rating on a match, or if they're um, they're more concerned about what they do than who they are and why they do it. Um, and they're not open to being taught the proper way. Then I just, I don't have any, I don't have any use for them. You know, it's the objective is not about who can execute the uh, most athletic moves or um, who can, you know, get a critical rating of a match, get a, a critique and a pat on the back. Uh, as a judgment of their success, the the way you judge, uh, you know, a performer's uh, success is how many people showed up to see them, how many people tuned in on TV to watch them. Um, that's the measure of success in professional. And I would absolutely agree. We the the two of us have watched so many of your interviews before, and we were so excited when when you did agree to come onto the show that. The, the, the training seminars that we would watch that you did was just because you get it. You understand because you did it. You achieved at that high level in several companies. So you, you are incredibly gifted at looking for talent. Um, I want to kind of bring up back in the tough enough days. Did WWE seek you out to do that or was that something that you maybe had volunteered to do for them? I was approached by Kevin Dunn, who's the president of television, um, about, you know, and I think Jim Ross was also a factor in it, of knowing, you know, my previous experience with training and, and such, that, you know, I was approached about, would you be interested in being a part of this? Because, you know, that was, at the time, it was a very, it was a completely brand new and unique uh, concept. You know, really the only, you know, reality shows were like Survivor and, you know, real world at that time, you know, so we were well ahead of the curve in regards to, you know, uh, uh, a reality show that where people lived together and actually competed 
for an objective, you know, a, achieving a dream. And, uh, you know, a lot of that format was copied um, ad nauseum, you know, from that point forward. But at that time, no one had ever done it. So um, it was completely brand new. And, you know, Kevin Dunn approached me about wanting to, if I'd be interested in doing it. And I said, sure, I, you know, why not? And uh, I met my lifelong friend, uh, John Deborg, uh, big, as he was known on uh, Kafrov, and, you know, from childhood, and uh, hit it off, and, you know, and we uh, we went off and did three seasons of uh, Kafrov together. It was, uh, it was probably one of the, one of the time, you know, one of the biggest and uh, thing, things in wrestling I did, and the proudest things I've, I've done in wrestling. Would you say you enjoy teaching wrestling or doing wrestling more? Oh, I certainly enjoy wrestling more myself. Um, I always, you know, that's the real adrenaline rush. That's, you know, it's just there's nothing that can um, compare to it, quite honestly, uh, to be in that middle of that ring and, and, and be in the moment. And, and, and nothing can make you feel more alive. Nothing. But, um, but you know, um I would say I, I enjoy teaching uh, just as much, just on a, in a different manner. It's, it's incredibly rewarding, and you know, I, I it took me a while, but I've, I've come to realize, and I think my real legacy in the wrestling business is is not going to be just what I personally did, but really primarily is going to be all of the all of the young men and women that I've helped to develop and uh, you know break into and and assist in their careers. Um, in the wrestling business. So yeah, I'm very proud of that. Um, you know, and I'm very proud of all of the young men and women that I've been able to work with and, and train and, and the careers that they've wanted uh, to have. This is a question that I, I'm going to steal from you because it, it's so good. And we, we, we love asking everybody this, this particular question over the course of your career, whether it was in the ring or watching or even training, what would you say is your favorite story you have seen told in the ring? Uh, there's there's a lot of different stories. You know, uh, there's a lot of stories that I've been lucky enough to tell um, in my time with OVW back with the, in the WWF, WWE days. Uh, my time where Impact was was uh, part of a development. I had a developmental program partnership with OVW. Um, we told some incredible stories during that period, and then and we're telling some incredible stories now. You know, there and then and I, I I I can't pick just one. I mean, there's there's so many. I mean, you know, and 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 when they're done right, um, you know, uh, they're so enjoyable to watch it all fall together. And, you know, because you really, uh, at times, I'll do a story, you know, and I'll keep it alive, depending upon the talent, but you know, I try to keep them alive and build that story as long as I possibly can. And I'm, I'm, I'm only working towards a moment. That's all I'm working towards. I'll spend months, sometimes a year, of telling a story to work towards just a singular moment that lasts anywhere from three seconds to 30 seconds, you know what I mean? And, and, and the incredible, um, 
amazing thing is, is that unlike any other form of storytelling, that moment only lives once. It, it only lives for that one period of time. And, you know, sure, you can, you can film it, you can, you know, you can video it, um, and you can replay it. But that actual moment of that energy, that emotion only lasts for that, that one split second. And that's it. And, and, and if I've done everything correct, if I've properly built the characters and had the talent sell who they were, and, and then if I, if I've explained the why sufficiently to where you as an audience at no point in time get confused or lost, you understand exactly who each person is and what their motivations are and what they're going to achieve out of this and what they're going to lose what's at stake then I then, then there's nothing that's more rewarding than to, to, to have that experience and to see it all come together it's like putting together a picture puzzle every time I do it but without a lid um, that has a picture of the final, has the final picture and it has no edge pieces so I'm literally putting the pieces together based off of a, a notion, an idea, a, a vague vision or direction that I have that are all going to build to putting that final piece in place and, and you having that aha moment in that I know in the reaction. past, uh, Raven had referenced the movie Rocky, and well, the movie series Rocky being so instrumental, especially the part where when Rocky's down and they're counting him out, but he uses everything in his power just to, to get to the ropes and to stand up. And the reaction that I got from the crowd, like that, that little moment of a story that was told, just that hope. W was there any movies um, that you've maybe watched or been told about that you've drawn inspiration from to tell stories in the ring? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. Uh, you know, I'm, made, I'm sure that that there are movies, or of course books, or you know, stories that I've read or, or seen that I probably somehow do influence me to some degree or another, I'm sure. I yeah. mean, there's no way that you can avoid that, you know what I mean? Um, but I can't say that there's any one particular one. There's no one that I've, I've you know, um, sat and went, oh, I remember this movie and I remember this story and I'm now going to try and reenact that, you know, in a, in the, using the vehicle of, of professional wrestling. Um, I, I don't... But in aspects of it, of things that I, I know and understand that an audience can relate to, you know, um, like a good example of a Rocky type story is, you know, like I took recently and I did it once before, um, and I, I duplicated it once in Impact Wrestling as well. And that was, uh, taking, uh, you know, uh, a young, uh, wrestler, Cal Hero, and, um, you know, uh, people in the audience, you know, they realize, they know he's new and he's green and, you know, so what I would do is I would, for weeks at a time, I would, prior to actually starting the story, uh, laying the groundwork, I'd, I'd beat him, I'd beat him, I'd beat him, but even when I beat him, I'd show he had heart in the match, you know what I mean? And we have a term where you don't, you can get over in a match without going over. And so that was what I was attempting to do because if I'd have brought him in and just had him win, people would have just, they wouldn't have, it wouldn't have went with it because they didn't know, they could tell he was green, he was inexperienced, and 
was ready. And, you know, and so what I did was I just um, kept beating him and every once in a while I'd let him win. Then I'd beat him, beat him, beat him, beat him, beat him, let him win, let him win, beat him, beat him, beat him. So that you could see that he was learning. And then I had, uh, you know, had him wrestle a, a veteran by the name of Tony Dunn. Um, you know, and Tony beats him. You know, he doesn't really get much offense, you know. But I, the very next week, I send Cal to the ring. I have him admit that he got beat. Um, but he wants to challenge Tony again. And, of course, Tony comes out and looks, look, kid, you know, I beat you once, you know. Um, but, hey, you know, you wanted to go again. Let's, let, you know, feel free. Give it a shot. You know what I mean? So Cal, you know, owns up to the fact that he's been beaten. And, uh, but he, he wrestles Tony again, but this time he gets, he gets a little bit of offense. Last time he didn't get it. This time he gets a little bit of offense. And then Tony though turns it up and gets angry and now beats him, you know, and then kind of tries to punk him out a little bit. And then, uh, the following week I have Cal go back to the ring and I have him stand there and I have him say, yep, you beat me. I, you know, I got to admit you beat me. And I, just so you guys know, I did this same story with Cody Rhodes um, when he was just starting out. Um, I did it with this big monster guy we had that was kind of a cane-looking type character at that time named Jacob Duncan. And the first time that Cody went to the ring and did the, you know, he got beat, had no offense, came back out the second week and cut the promo, like a bunch of people, a bunch of fans were razzing him as he was doing the promo. But, and when he got offense that second match, they immediately lit up and kind of bought into the fact that they could believe that he, he was starting to learn. And then as each match progressed and Cody would go out there and cut the promo, they stopped heckling him and started cheering him and supporting him. And then because each match, he starts getting more and more offense. And you can see that he's learning and he's earning his way. And I did the same thing with Cal Hero with Tony Gunn. And, you know, we finally get bring it up to where, you know, Tony um, is challenged again and says, look, kid, I've beat you so many times. You know, I'm tired of beating you. I'm not going to do it again. You know, Cal's desperate to prove that he, you know, he feels like he has to jump this hurdle to prove that he's, you know, a professional wrestler. And he, you know, offers something so... You know, Tony tells him, well, you know, you got, you got, what do you got? You know, you I just got my boots, my gear. Okay. Put your boots on the line, kid. You know, wrestles him, beats him, takes his boots. Comes out next week, wants to wrestle again. I got your boots. What else? You know, <laughs> put your jacket, your fanny pack on the line, you know, puts that on the line. But this time he gets a little more on, he gets even more offense, but Tony beats him. Comes back out. I want one more chance. Kid, I've already taken your boots. I've taken your, you know, your gear. I've taken a moment to where it matters. Yeah. It's true. But I mean, right. <laughs> okay. Um, it froze up on me again. I don't know why. So, um, you know, uh, he approaches Tony after he's lost everything. And Tony's like, you know, look, I've got, I've got nothing to gain now. I've, I've proven I can beat you. You know, I've got nothing to gain. He says, well, to, you know, you got nothing left to lose. And he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll put my career on the line. So now what do you assume? You assume that there's no way I'm going to beat Cal, right? Naturally, right? 
that's exactly what I did. Because I had, you know, I had Cal look like he just might possibly win. And I had Tony finally in a position where he might lose. And I had Tony cheat to beat him. And he lost his career. Jeez, what am I going to do now? I mean, I beat him in a, you know, he lost his career. He's got, he can't be a professional wrestler anymore. Well, that means, that doesn't mean that OVW can't hire him as an employee. So for the next three or four weeks, I have him doing different jobs uh, for OVW. He comes out one week and he's sweeping the floors while Tony Gunn's in the ring. Tony gets distracted. He gets beat. He's uh, he's working the concession stand and uh, comes out and deliver uh, concessions to some fans. Tony gets gets upset, gets distracted, gets beat. He's a cameraman. Tony gets distracted, gets beat. Now he's Tony's livid. He calls me out. He's demanding that he tells me he wants Cal Hero in a match, or he can't. Can't have him in a match. He's not a wrestler anymore. You know, and, you know. he's like, why is he here in OVW? Well, because he's an employee of OVW. I used him to, you know, do odd jobs. Well, I want him. I want him in the ring because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat, beat, beat his ass. Uh, you can't beat his ass because if you do, you'll go to jail because he's not, he's not a professional wrestler. So, I want like, him to be going to that story, what do you think he makes to be a good story? I want him reinstated as far as he like wrestling goes. And in the fifth, he gets reinstated. We have the final match, and that's where Cal finally earns his stripes, and he beats Tony Gunn, and the place goes electric, just goes crazy. Because they watched him earn it and climb that mountain and finally overcome and beat the heel. Relatability, understanding you, being able to understand it. You do not relate to what we do physically. You don't because you've never done it. Um, that's relatability is why baseball, football, and basketball in the United States have enormous audiences for one reason, because everyone's done it as a kid. Even if you've just done it in your backyard or in your driveway for your little league team, you've played baseball, football, and basketball. So that is relatable. That's why hockey has a bigger audience in Canada than it does in the United States or anywhere else in the world. That's why Golf is 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 watched more by old white men than it is anybody else because more old white men play golf. The top three televised sporting events in the world are as follows. Number three is the World Cup of Rugby. Number two is the World Cup of Cricket. And number th- number one is the World Cup of Soccer. And you know why? Because more of the Earth's population play those three sports than anything else and that's why more people view those three sports than anything else Super Bowl is not even on the list so because very few people play American style football that's that's why and um, you know uh, that's why basketball in China is a huge sport the NBA is immensely over in China because everybody there Loves to play basketball. It was introduced to them, and they and it's it's a it's a major sport over there. Um, so the NBA does huge numbers and does huge business in China. Professional wrestling. There are only about seven things we physically do to each other that you've ever had done to you. You know, uh, getting your hair pulled, poking somebody in the eye, uh, a headlock. Um, you know, kicking the nuts. 
things you really can relate to. Being choked, if anybody's lived in a trailer park anywhere at any time, they've probably subjected themselves to that. So, you know, you're, the effort is not in trying to use what we do to sell a story. The effort is, is in trying to sell you who that person is. Because you relate, you know a kid, you know, you either want to be or know a kid just like Cal Hero had a dream, fought, you know, fought to, to achieve it. And then you know a guy like Tony Gunn who's kind of the old bitter vet who's kind of a bully to the new guys. You know what I mean? Even if in your office you've experienced that, set, you know, that type of pattern of behavior. So everybody relates to it. Everybody relates to the why it's happened. One thing I, I definitely that, you wanted know, to ask you and these is, I mean, we live in a world where everything is instant gratification, and it hard there's so the many preconceived things that you're told how to you feel know, about. The kid is, is not I was wanting to get your opinion and thoughts on just gonna keep trying. social media with professional wrestling. Uh, do you think that's that ruined it at all with people being That's why it allows me to build to that moment that when Cal finally achieves it, the place goes insane. Not at all. Not at all. No, I think that social media, I don't think social media is ruined professional wrestling. I think the people that use social media have ruined professional wrestling. Um, it, social media is just a tool, you know, uh, like a hammer. Uh, and a hammer, do you know what's the most dangerous object in your house? A fork. A fork. Because everyone owns one and you can stab someone to death pretty quickly with it. You can stab somebody with a screwdriver. You can beat somebody to death with a hammer. You can, or you can use it in a constructive fashion and use it to pound a nail and to attach two objects together. Do you see what I mean? Social media is a tool no different than a hammer, a fork, screwdriver. They're no, it's no different. And how you utilize social media can be a very positive thing. It is. It allows talent, professional wrestlers, to sell themselves and make themselves into an attraction without the reliance upon a promoter and their television platform. It literally allows them, prior to even arriving on TV, to create and build an audience as an attraction on social media through their own creativity and their own imagination to then, by the time they arrive on a promoter's platform, i.e. TV show, they're already an attraction that brings an audience with them that now just simply with the platform expands that audience even further to an even greater amount of people. That is a tremendous tool. The problem is, is that social media is used in the wrong manner. It is used to, you know, expose or to contradict the very things that the talent are selling, which is who they are and why they are doing it. Um, you know, and, and in basically insulting um, your audience by saying, hey, please believe in me and believe in why I'm doing this, that it matters. I want you to care enough to where you're going to want to tune in week to week to watch it or pay to see it happen live. But at the same time, when you really start to invest emotionally and start to care about the outcome of the story in the middle of the story, you're going to see, I'm going to literally expose the fact that it's not real to you at all. And you're going to be, you know, uh, and, and, and if, if people think that I'm wrong, a prime 
example of that was Game of Thrones. At the, that one last scene of the last season when they, you know, people saw a Starbucks cup sitting in the uh, in the scene, and they lost their shit because they they were so overcome with how it pulled them out of the world that they were invested in and watching and cared about. And 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 you know, it's you, you, we've all had that experience happen when we went to a movie and. You know, there's something that pops up on the screen, and the minute it does, it, it kills it for you. And now, no matter how good the movie was, it just it lessens your enjoyment because you didn't get what you paid to see. You know, no different than if a magician's up on stage sawing a woman in half. And that's that's a hell of a point. Looking at you, uh, hey, don't worry, out. she's safe. She's got up here with her legs tucked up, and you know, we've got another girl down here in the cabinet with her feet out the other end. So I'm not really sawing either, either either girl in half. I'm sawing between them, and they're fine. Well, I paid to wonder. I paid to worry that the woman was being sawed in half, and you just ruined that for me. Well, then why? I'm never going to pay to see you again. And not to mention, I want to also, you know, social media, again, terrific, tremendous tool, but it is now... It's being used as a vehicle to, you know, um, it's it's become a new era of McCarthyism or Salem witch trials, uh, where people can make claims, can make accusations, and then without doing any kind of investigation or due process or or you know uh, proof, they can and they're emboldened to do it because of a sense of anonymity and distance. And and then be tried in a court and, and then try people in a court of public opinion, um, you know, and uh, attack them uh, without really any kind of concrete proof or evidence to the contrary. You know, it's just it's it's ridiculous how it's become and how it's being now used as a tool to uh, you know assault people. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, it, it fascinates me that as a society. You know, everybody made an outcry of how wrong it was for Will Smith to go up on stage and to slap Chris Rock over a joke. And I'm not going to disagree. You're absolutely right. It was ridiculous, a ridiculous uh, response. But why is it okay then for people who, like when they found out Kevin Hart had made a joke 10 years prior, for them to now go on a campaign that was made about trying to destroy his livelihood and destroy his life to where... He didn't get to host the Oscars that year because of that. I mean, I, I can and understand that's okay. like, where you're you coming from on that. Over a joke that was done years social ago. Social media can be a very dangerous thing, media. especially well, you can now, just to you can, you can further kick up a cause or, or try to destroy a person's life. But now, I mean, Will Smith heard as soon as you had spent about his life, then he can't take it back. No, it's out there for good. There's nothing you can do except wait for the inevitable catastrophe that's going to unfold from it. But, uh, Steve, what you, on the Oscars, did you have a, did you think it was a good idea for that? I mean, it's not something I would have done publicly. You know, obviously, given that platform and everything, I probably would have maybe pulled aside or something. Which like that or, you know. Going up. And here, here, here we go again. So, what I was going to say was that, you know, um, you know, Will Smith reacting like he did and then striking uh, Chris Rock 
that 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 can't be tolerated. But we can we can destroy a person's life for the very same reason. Um, can't can professional wrestling more so nowadays? And you, I feel, and, and I could be wrong. Slap me. You don't, don't see a lot of trying to destroy my life and my life uh, anymore, just because of the attention spans of the fans and the whims. Remark or a comment or or a joke. Come up and slap me. I'd rather you slap me and it be done than you know uh, you going to social media on a witch hunt and trying to destroy every aspect of my life. Yes, I watched a little bit. I watched a little bit. Let me tell you something. The attention span, that uh, that attention span of the fans is complete and utter bullshit. It's an excuse. Oh my God! Yeah, it's a his lie. favorite show. Yes. Do you know how I know it's a lie? Uh, we just talked about a show called Game of Thrones. Did you guys watch that show? Okay. And did, tell me, did you not have to pay attention to every episode you yeah. watched? Yeah. And. How long was that show on the air? And how intricate were the stories? And how much detail did you need to know? Uh, did either one of you watch Breaking Bad? Okay. And how much uh, detail was in those shows? How much attention did you have to pay? And then how long did that show last? And if you end to go from that episode, episode, you need I, I to just, I just was wondering, just I mean, you hear so many things. How many about, people have watched Well, this person's been champ for too long. Like, everybody becomes a, a poker in the comments section. They're 20 years old. So you have to follow it from week to week and how long has it lasted? God, it seems like people do have an attention span when there's actual quality stories being told. That's incredible. But when there's a shitty story being Of course they do. And that, that, my friends, is because of the talent, which is the wrestling business is the talent's business. No offense, but it's the wrestler's business. And it's the misuse of social media by the talent and some promoters, too, uh, allowing a familiarity with professional wrestling that whenever anyone is familiar with anything, it breeds contempt. The more familiar you become with something, the more contemptuous you become of it. And and the wrestling fans have been, you know, allowed access to information on an unprecedented level these days, thanks to, again, the promoters and the talents and their misuse of social media. And as a result, they now quantify that access to information as real knowledge. And the access to information does not equate to knowledge you can have all the information on the topic you want and you cannot have an ounce of actual real knowledge about that topic because you don't have a commensurate amount of experience to go along with that information it's no different than if you want to become an actual licensed physician a doctor you can go to medical school and the second that you graduate medical school you are not a doctor that doesn't seem right does it you went to medical school for six, eight, ten, depending on your specialty, ten years of medical school. And the minute you graduated, you are not a licensed physician. You need and are required to complete a certain number of hours of residency, which is supervised, hands-on experience to be able to couple that information with the experience. And therefore, once you've achieved that, getting that experience, you now become a doctor. That applies to everything in life. 
not just being a doctor, uh, I, I do want to also back here. So OVW you can something that, that you have the helped build and manufacture. You've done a tremendous job with it. The talent on this show do, is unbelievable. You're so young and best to make yourself an attraction so you can succeed and better. When people go to watch an OVW show, for everybody out there listening, for your friends and family, what can they expect your when they come to an OVW show? You have no show? idea what's going on or why it's going on. specifics about them that really make them stand out what is it that you want the fans that come in and watch the show what do you want them to take away when they leave what are you looking for them to make sure that they feel I want them to I want them to know that and, and feel like that they, they their investment Okay, their investment of time, their investment of money, and their investment of effort to watch that show, whether it's at home in their living room or at the arena live, I want them to know that their investment gets a return, that they are going to get what they've invested in it. They're going to get a return on that. They're going to they're going to be able to believe, even if it's just for the time they're watching the show. You have any they're going to be able to believe um, that they are so watching. So, what advice do you give to like up and coming uh, wrestlers stars that come to somebody new who's coming into it, and that there are personal consequences due to stories that are involved that you want to care about and see who wins and who loses, and not always are you going to be able to predict that accurately. Um, when you come to see that match. Um, I tell them, uh, one, to be unafraid to make mistakes. Um, I encourage them to make mistakes so that they can, they can learn because the only way you do learn is through experience, and the only way you're going to get that experience is to try things and to make mistakes. Um, and two, um, you know, every this is a business. 
No ifs, ands, or buts. This is a business. And I am investing my time, my effort, which are the two most valuable things, and my money into these people when I put them on TV. I could have just turned around and sold the television time that I invested in one of these talent. But instead, I decided instead of selling it, I would I would give it to them to sell their product, not a used, you know, give a car lot, the, the, sell the time to a car lot and have them sell your used cars. I'm going to give it to the wrestler and allow them the opportunity to sell themselves. And then they, in turn need to know that they have to invest the time, the money, and effort into themselves to be worthy of my investment. Uh, one thing I, I definitely make sure we have get to in here time, money, is the social media aspects so for this for, for ODW and for yourself, Al. There's Please no let, let people know how to reach you. Also, for you where they can go to, to get go tickets out there to go to OVW so they can hit that run with literally investing nothing in yourself and it now being a waste, a complete and utter waste of time and money and effort that was invested by the fans' part in watching you, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. You can get tickets uh, if you have more interest. Uh, in OVW, you can go both to ovwrestling.com, um, and uh, there's all the information you need on on our all of our multiple television outlets that you can see us across the nation. We're in over 100 million homes. We're on uh, YTA. We're on the Action Channel. We're on Next Level Sports. We're on Game Plus and uh, several other uh, major uh, television uh, networks, which will allow us to reach about 100 million homes. Regionally, we're in Louisville, Lexington, Hazard, and Bowling Green on television, broadcast television. And, uh, and we're also live every Thursday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern on Fight TV, F-I-T-E TV. Um, you can watch it there every week. We're also on YouTube. And, um, and you can find all that information at ovwrestling.com. If they're interested in being trained, um, they can go to aswa.live. We are the only actually state accredited by the Office of Proprietary Education as an actual trade school for professional wrestling, sports entertainment, and broadcasting in the world. Um, so they can go to aswa.social Snow on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, you name it, uh, The Real Al Snow. And, um, you know, and uh, you can follow me. You're anywhere you welcome. Want. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, guys. Again, thank you to our guest, Al Smith.